Who knew in the moment? The premise of the show is that as you're living your life, very rarely do you realize the magnitude of a moment while it's happening. However, in hindsight, we can see all of the pivotal moments that led to where we're at. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hello and welcome to another episode of Who Knew in the Moment, the podcast. I'm your host, Phil Friedrich, and today I'm honored to have Jeremy Jackson with me. Jeremy is a uh, TV personality, uh, didn't look quite like he does now when you would have seen him on the Baywatch TV show, uh, didn't have a beard then, but then he's also a uh, personal fitness coach and uh, just excelling in what he's doing in the physical fitness space. So Jeremy, thanks so much for being on today, brother. Thanks so much for having me on, Phil. It's great to be here. Uh, good day to you and, and all of your listeners. Yeah, I appreciate it. So to start off your story, at six years old, you landed a commercial. So talk a little bit about getting into some of the acting opportunities as a youngster. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, I was just I was always a real ham when I was a kid, always trying on different outfits and doing dance routines and learning songs and mimicking artists and, you know, putting together recitals and I just wanted to perform, man. That's what I wanted to do. So my mom just kind of got me an agent and, you know, we drove all the way out to Hollywood from our little place in Orange County with her car catching on fire almost every other day. And <laughs> it was a lot of hard work, but, uh, you know, I suited up, I showed up and I did what I love to do. And uh, what I love to do became what I did, you know, and I, yeah. I got that first commercial, which was a Mattel commercial. It ended up being a seven uh commercial run they hired me for six more commercials it was amazing yeah so talk a little bit about it i mean at that age you probably don't necessarily realize the magnitude of you know getting a commercial or what that means but were you nervous was it just hey it's a cool opportunity talk a little bit about that oh it's it's very interesting because um you know uh nobody ever taught me about manifestation nobody ever taught me um what the entertainment industry was. I yeah. just saw stars wielding this beautiful power and, and entertaining people, pleasing people. I saw an energy exchange, man. And I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I just started rehearsing, practicing, mm. uh, putting it into practical application. I somehow knew I was going to need dance moves and I was going to need abilities and, uh, you know, I always saw myself as an adult when I was yeah. a little kid. I really never thought of myself as less than. I, I knew how to look adults in the eye, shake their hands, and, and make a proper introduction. I was working on my autograph when I was, you know, six years old. I just kind of knew, man. I wanted it. Um, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know it was like, you know, a money-making thing. I didn't know it was a uh, uh, uh I just, I just knew I needed to do it. I yeah. just knew I needed that thing where you get on the screen and I was going to do it. It's crazy. I love it. So from there, there's different opportunities that come about, but then at 10 years old, uh, you know, there's this show called Baywatch going on and they needed a new younger individual. And so you interview and you, you cast for it. And if I understand correctly, you might have beat out somebody that we would all know today for that role. So talk a little bit about yeah. that. So, you know, they were they were really looking to cast this new 
uh, Hobie, this David Hasselhoff's new son. They wanted him to be, um, you know, small. They didn't want him to be going into puberty too quick, you know, runt of the litter type, I guess you could say. And that, that was me. Um, yeah, every child actor auditioned for that show. Everybody, you you name it. All the, all the guys that a lot of people grew up watching from, you know, Will Horniff from Lassie to Jonathan Brandis from whatever that sea show was where he rode the dolphins or talked to the dolphins. Um, uh, 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 Andrew Keegan, um, you know, kids from all the other TV shows that were my age range that fit the bill, um, which, of course, Leonardo DiCaprio was one of them. Yeah. But this was common. This was common for me to go and audition with all of these names and all of yeah. these faces. We were around the same age. We had the same kind of beach surfer boy look. Yeah. So that wasn't uncommon for me. I love it. So, you know, you, you get this role and I mean, it's interesting dynamic, right? Because you think of the person as just an actor, but you're also kind of growing up around these people. And in that TV show, there's not a lot of uh, youth involvement. It's a lot of adult involvement. So talk a little bit about being 10 years old and being surrounded by adults and really just kind of learning uh, a lot about life that way. Yeah, it's a very interesting paradigm. Um, it, it's like anything else had its uh, positives and its negatives. Yeah. You know, we like like we prefaced earlier, I really didn't see myself as a kid. Um, you know, I, I had a certain perception pretty early or early on a type of confidence, I guess you could say. Um, so I was ready to tackle the world, maybe a little too ahead of my, uh, ahead of myself, but, um, you know, it was really good for me, particularly, I had a lot of learning disabilities, learning disabled, gifted learning disabled GLD, they call it. So, you know, I was dyslexic. I wrote backwards. Um, but, uh, I was highly, uh, excelling in other areas yeah. and the school system really didn't know what to do with me. I didn't enjoy it. I was bored. I was hyper. Um, I wanted experiential learning. I wanted hands-on. I wanted to get my hands dirty. I wanted, um, something, uh, you know, to chew on. I, I, I wanted to be, um, challenged and it all just seemed monotonous and mundane to me. It drove me nuts. So I was getting in trouble a lot. Uh, I felt misunderstood and or misguided. So, Getting into television early was great for me. I had private tutors, on-set teachers, uh, home home uh, school, traveling, traveled the world, all over Europe, um, all over South America. Like you said, hanging out with adults, you know, so I'm there, I'm kissing hands and shaking babies, hanging out with Donald Trump, hanging out with Oprah, you know, yeah. hanging out, you name it, you know. Yeah. Um, so it was interesting. It was a very interesting way to grow up at, you know, had its... Uh, challenges and had a lot of positives as well yeah absolutely so now my guess is you know this is a top show they want to retain people but there's probably an element of you got to earn your keep we're not going to just keep you around so talk a little bit about that in a you know 10 11 12 year old like really understanding the business it's not just hey we're here to have fun right this is a business and you've got to perform to stick around the nine years that you were ending up doing that right you know, and yeah, I'll just kind of circle back to your previous question. I think these two kind of tie in, you know, so yeah. it was an interesting power struggle, I guess you could say, you know, believe it or not, early days of Baywatch, um, a lot of kids 
a lot of families. They really enjoyed the dynamic. Baywatch was really meant to be originally was, um, you know, a show about co-workers and their lives both on, you know, at work and at home. So there was a lot of uh, relationship stuff, father, son, you know, paradigms uh, and and friendships that had some good storylines. However, you know, every time a new super beautiful woman comes on the show, ratings go through the roof. So, you know, producers and directors, of course, stop uh, wanting to promote as much of this heartfelt stuff and more of the babes and more of the beauty. So, yeah, being a kid on the show, growing up like that, um, feeling uh, maybe less important, you know, struggling with insecurity as puberty hits, you know, struggling with um, uh, being potentially less wanted or less cute, you know, because I'm on the show because I'm cute, right? Oh, it's so cute. And then you're growing up, you get a little less cute and the girls start getting cuter. You know, what do you got to do to earn your keep? So, of course, what the first thing you look to is the guys with the abs and the pecs. So pretty early on, I'm getting these imprints or these anchors essentially making these uh, attachments, so to speak, Mm, um, or agreements with this is what it takes to win the game of life. You have to look like this, be forever tan, um, and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Now, much I, I grew up around older people myself. And so one of the things that is this underlying tone, though, that doesn't get talked about as much is what's okay for adults to be doing isn't necessarily uh, okay for you to get exposed to and uh, partake in as well. So talk a little bit about that, you know, series, because I know you said, hey, kind of the entry level thing was on the pot side. And then it really kind of escalated from there of what I got exposed to. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, um, that's an interesting, you know, deal because I, I am of the mindset that uh, had I not been on television, had I not made millions, had I not traveled the world and uh, had the opportunity to have managers, agents, publicists, personal security, uh, chaperones, uh, lawyers. I mean, I had a team of people at my beck and call. Right. right? Um, Essentially keeping me out of trouble, you know? So I was a mischievous kid. I was, I wanted to experience the world. If they were doing it, I wanted to do it. And if it wasn't people on the set going out for drinks or hanging out or hooking up, you know, I wanted what they had and then some, and if it's not them, it's my, you know, 18-year-old buddies that I'm hanging out with. Because I'm the 16-year-old cool kid with the money. Yep. And I'm, I'm getting to hang out with these 18-year-olds that want to have me around for fun. And what they're doing, I want to do and more. So, But that was really in me from an early age. I wanted to yeah. know all the secrets to life. I wanted to push the limits. So yeah. I was kind of a bad boy, uh, reckless youth out the gate. You know, being on television – provided an opportunity for me to make a lot of mistakes with a lot of financial um, backing and a lot of people to pull me out of trouble. Yeah. Had I not had that, Lord knows where I'd be. Gangs, uh, dealing drugs. I mean, in the gutter, I might've gone, had I not had the support and, and the springboard of, you know, um, another show after I messed it all up. Oh, here's another show. Get out of the hole with a hundred grand here or there. Yeah. Uh, had I not had that, I, I might've been one of those guys you see on the railroad tracks, man. You know, yeah. 
Yeah. So I want to highlight that, you know, once again, we're talking about in the scope of you growing up and being on TV, someone listening wasn't on TV, right? And they're sitting here Mm -hmm. saying, I don't feel like I've got that supporting cast, you know, around me right now. I'm running with the group that's going to get me in the place I don't want to go. How do you encourage people to, you know, surround themselves with the people that they need to make sure that they're staying on the path that's best for them? Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, So what I've learned (laughs) through making and losing millions of what I've learned from uh, being wildly successful and being a massive failure is that um, life is a complete paradox. Mm. And the truth is the more I give, the more I receive. Mm. And the more I forgive, the more I experience forgiveness. And the mm. more I love, the more I receive love. And that it, it, it is all those people that were trying to help back then. I didn't have the vision. I didn't have the appreciation. I was blind um, by what I thought I knew and what I thought I needed and the way I thought it was supposed to go. So I got what I got because I only knew what I knew. I wasn't open to suggestion, right? Yeah. So, yeah, of course, you become who you surround yourself with, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, mentorship is one of the most powerful ways to exceed and excel. However, if no one's there to support you and love you and show you the way, you can just as easily start to be the demonstration by giving. Yeah. Even if you think like you're giving from an empty cup, mm. you will experience it in your life if you're able to provide it for others. If mm. you expect anything to come from outside of you first, you must be able to expect it from yourself. Wow. Right? Yeah. That's really good. Now, for you, you, you kind of hinted at it. Hey, at 19, all of a sudden, the show's doing well. You've been on it for nine years. There may have been a little ego involved. And, you, lot. Just, <laughs> and, and you just say, you know what? F it. I don't need you guys. Like, I I can go be successful elsewhere. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what is it? Is Baywatch making me successful or am I making Baywatch successful? Right? Yeah. Like, what's, what's the question here? So yeah. talk a little bit about that transition for you. Well, that was a very ugly time, you know. Um, I think the I think the adage is cutting my nose off to spite my face or mm. throwing the baby out with the bath water or yeah. uh, 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 abusing me to get back at them. Yeah. Right? So, you know, what I really wanted to do was party. You know, I wanted to just – I wanted to be in love with this girl. I wanted to get – high i wanted a spiritual experience man i didn't want to be up at four in the morning driving to la to get my makeup on to learn my lines to be in this high stress environment i had been doing it for so many years on the beach every day trying to look your best trying to suck your stomach in going to hair makeup wardrobe then after that it's interviews and after interviews it's driving home to go to bed to do it all over again no movie nights no fun no parties and then in the wintertime, it was off to Europe to perform. And, you know, you want to go out and have a good time, but you can't. The screaming fans will literally trample you to death. You can't even go out. Yeah. I mean, it was a trip. It was a big trip. Yeah. So I just said, screw it. When I quit Baywatch and um, I wanted to unreservedly, you know, with no responsibilities, do what I wanted to do. And unfortunately, what that ended up looking like was 
smoking crystal meth in an abandoned apartment with weirdos and and gang members and and prostitutes and thieves and criminals. Um, and so I got railroaded there, you know, just wanting to be. I, I, I tried to cut myself down to size as deep as I could to just be a loser. I just wanted to be a loser and, yeah. and just be a banana on the bunch with some people, yeah. you know, and, and just lower companionship, they call it, right? I don't have to get anyone's approval. I don't yeah. have to shower. I don't have to do anything. I can just be a loser with the losers. But the losers wouldn't let me. They all started stealing from me and 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 uh, and, and conning me and uh, taking advantage of me and, and all that stuff. So I couldn't go be a loser, and I didn't want to be a winner anymore. And uh, it was a very painful, painful time of uh, confusion and, and and being very lost and losing myself and getting yeah. deep into drug addiction. Yeah. So so with that comment, you know, losing yourself. I, I think it's such an interesting way to to look at it. And I think for a lot of people, it's if you don't know who you want to become, you'll you'll figure out quickly who you don't want to become. Right. And yes. so, you know, talk a little bit about that. You're you're in this interesting phase of you're transitioning from the show. You're just wanting to have it probably it seems like freedom, right? Like maybe less structure and less, you know, uh, control right. on you. And right. I just want freedom. But what comes from it is ending up a undercover swarm, which leads to less and less freedom. Right, right. Yeah. Then my freedom was really taken away when you go to jail. And it's interesting. I like how you put it, right? It's, it's like going from one extreme to the next. Yeah. You know, which I've learned in, in life, uh, you know, extremes are not great. You want to be right <laughs> there in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right there in the middle. And no big deals. It's not the end of the day, you know, um, and I'm not, you know, it's, it's never all ruined and everything isn't always perfect. We're right yeah. in the middle, man. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I do believe that this disease of addiction, disease of alcoholism is something that's buried more deeply in the soul mm -hmm. and in the mind yeah. um, that alcohol and drugs aren't the solution aren't the, the, the cause of that problem. The alcohol and the drugs are the solution to that problem. Mm. It's an internal pain. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and the alcohol and drugs temporarily solve it. They help you until they start hurting you, but yeah. then you got to have it and you're hurt. Yeah. So you're stuck between that rock and that hard place. I, lo I love it. Well, and something that, you know, not probably chronologically, probably at 19, you were not feeling this, but I think something that you, you know, 10 years down the road, you right. Looking back on it, can see is that there was a missing something and this was either filling it for me temporarily, or it was masking what I didn't want to have to deal with for me at that point in time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like that. Man. And, uh, you know, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, you know, luckily broken pieces become masterpieces when you're able to, when you're able to uh, kind of surrender, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I had just kind of like you prefaced, man. I had invested my self worth. I had invested my, um, you know, my prosperity, you know, or my sense of belonging. I had placed it in the hands of many 
fallible things. Yeah. You know, and I think if you really, if you really put it under a microscope, you know, growing up as a fatherless child um, and uh, not feeling like I belonged in life, that really, really put me in this place to seek various outside sources to feel whole. And I think approval and success and fame was my first drug. Yeah. I got it. What happens when we put our happiness uh, in in a uh, you know ill-gotten gains or in a self-defeating prophecy? Rather, yeah. right? Um, yeah. It's not good enough. I right. got the money. I got the fame. I got the girls. I got the TV show. I got the music career, and I'm still not happy. Oh my gosh. What's wrong with me? So then now, then the drugs, okay, maybe some elation, maybe some, some moments of ecstasy. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Right. Nope. Again, not enough turned on. So you're right. Not having that solid foundation, not having perspective, much like your show is like, Hey, hindsight's 2020 looking (laughs) back, who would have thunk it? (laughs) If we only knew then what we do now, Holy crap. Um, But, you know, no losses, man, just lessons. Right? Yes. I so, so that, that really this pain, this, um, this suffering uh, is the cement that yeah. really holds new principles firm for me. You know, without mm. that, would, would I abandon myself with desperation yeah. to, to uh, you know, working with, uh, you know, uh, a commitment uh, rather than inspiration. Like, hey, inspiration is going to come and go. I need commitment, dude. I, yeah. need, I need to be regimented. Ah, that's going to come up and down. Like, I do it no matter what. I train my feet. And the mind will follow eventually, you know? I love, I love it. Well, and I want to dig into what you said there. You know, you talked about growing up in a father's household, but when you're on the show, you now have this father figure and you and David maintained a great relationship. So, you know, talk a little bit about that dynamic. Um, Was there, you know, tough feelings leaving? Was there a point where he kind of reached out to coddle after, you know, things started happening in your life? Talk a little bit about, you know, that connection that happened there. Sure. Well, you know, David goes into it in, in, detail in this uh baywatch documentary set to release on hulu probably in the next six to nine months cool. it's a real thick it's a beautiful humanitarian piece much different than anything we've seen on the baywatch legacy yeah and he goes into some heartfelt stuff which is really beautiful but you know i needed a dad man i needed a father figure and i was this hyperactive dyslexic kid and uh, i was annoying you know i had to have been and then looking back i mean the poor guy was 30 something <laughs> with uh all this fame and girls you know chasing yeah. after him he's like i don't want to freaking you know <laughs> like he's probably having a couple shots on his lunch break he's probably having a good time and i'm like hey yeah. hey you want to play you want to play <laughs> you know like come on kid so the yeah. poor guy you know he was he was a, like a big brother to me yeah. for sure we had fun he loved me the best he could yeah. You know, he, there's parts of him that feel really guilty for not showing up for me mm-hmm. and maybe changing the, the course of my life. Um, you know, but I spent a lot of my childhood uh, hoping that he would, you know, become that father figure that I always needed. Yeah. Uh, you know, put his own plans, preferences and fame to the side yeah. and uh, and reach out to me. That never happened. Um, but, I, you know, today I, I don't have any 
yeah, any resentments over that because I spent long enough doing that. It didn't yeah. do me or him any good, you know? Right. Um, so luckily I've moved past that. Uh, however, you know, now I almost feel bad. Like, oh my gosh, that poor guy, like I, mm. here he is living in this regret that he didn't, you know, but he probably couldn't have. I would have probably drugged him down with me or taken advantage of him or stolen. Who knows what I would have done, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So he probably avoided a mess. <laughs> so, well, and so I think as you as you say that one of the interesting things that comes to mind is, you know, it, as it says, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, right? Right. But unfortunately, right. until you're ready, the great people in your life can walk by, they can give you advice. But if you're not willing to listen, it doesn't really matter. You know, it's, hey, thanks yeah. so much, but like, I'm doing what I want. So talk a little bit uh -huh. about, you know, for you, whether it was in the rehab process, I know you did the Dr. Drew show, but like how you got to that point of, you know, kind of taking what Jeremy wants out of it and opening up to, all right, this is what is best for me. Man. Man, that, that's a big question if you really think about it, right? Yeah. Um, we talked about the pain. We talked about the misery. We talked about the suffering being this uh, pivotal part in the growth process. Yeah. Um, for me, I mean, I hope nobody ever has to experience as much destruction and desolation of mind, body, and soul that I had to experience um, to, to let go, to surrender. Yeah. Um, most of the rehabs didn't do anything, but, you know, fatten me up for my next run. <laughs> uh, but maybe some seeds were planted along the way, yeah. you know? Um, yes, I met beautiful people, probably the people really, if you really think about it, you hear stuff and don't take the suggestion and you think, you know, better, you're a kid, but, but the, the people that you meet along the way who hold, they hold that that place like, well, they were, how long have they been sober for? You got 10 years and they were nice and they were cool, you know, cause you spend a long time looking at the people that are sober or living a life that you don't want to be anything like, well, look right. at you, you're, you're old and fat. I don't want to be old and fat. <laughs> That's what it looks like to live this spiritual life. I don't want any part of it. Um, but you know, certain people make a big impact on you yeah. and, and especially, especially looking back um, and they give you hope. But through various practices, like meditation has been a yeah. huge part, breathwork meditation specifically, um, studying different uh, spiritual and religious um, stuff, Taoism, Buddhism, Christianity, um, you know, having this open mind, you yeah. know, and, and looking for these more souls, being open um, and, and, most importantly, you learn all this stuff, you hear all this stuff, um, but practical application, yeah. right? I could sit here and I could tell you about the steak that I ate yesterday and this bone marrow butter, and it had this perfect char on the outside. It was like medium rare on the inside. It was so tender. I pounded I'm, it I'm, out. I'm hungry now, bro. I'm hungry now. <laughs> I, I pounded it out before I put it on the grill with some black garlic and some ghee butter and a little mustard rub. You know, I tenderized it. And I, I could tell you about it. Sounds great, right? Yeah. But are, are you picking meat out of your teeth right now? Is no. your belly full? No, no, you it's don't hungry. have the experience. <laughs> you don't have the experience of it. Yeah. So, 
you know, you read stuff, you hear stuff. Oh, that's cool. Oh, I like that. Strikes a chord with me. But you're not putting it into practice. And um, for me, it was the doing the thing that I never thought I could do. I'm ODD. I have dyslexia. I can't read. I don't like reading. I can't quiet my mind. Every excuse in the book. But it wasn't until um, I got desperate enough to do the things I didn't think I could do um, to have this new experience, to stop trying to solve my problems with the same level of consciousness that created my problems. Mm. That's actually ludicrous. It's actually insane. Right. That's an Einstein quote in order for me to overcome that, which I've never been able to overcome in a new and exciting way, because, you know, we're here to be radically transformed. We're here to be woken up. We're here to be master manifestors. We're here to be a conduit between our brothers and sisters. We're here to like give love and, 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 and have this abundance and be the spring that, nothing but good flows from right Mm. we're here to be the channel of this divine energy man and it's so fun i never would have guessed how fun it could be i never would have guessed um how inspiring and 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 creative and interactive i mean it's like i'm playing this interactive game like i have a part in this i was just like sitting around waiting to spontaneously combust into like gratitude like some white light experience where all of a sudden i had a complete download it doesn't happen like that it's a manual transmission and i can't go from first year to fifth fifth year you know what i mean i gotta rev up i gotta push the clutch in and it takes a little bit of work yeah i did the work even though i didn't think i could or even though i didn't think it was going to work even though i didn't understand how it would work i started doing the work and i started diving into it accountability to other guys was a big motivator for me. Yes, I have mentors, but I immediately went out and started trying to mentor guys who had a little less idea what was going on than me. And those guys, knowing those guys are struggling in in rehab or whatever, or in their apartment, they don't know how to pay for next month. And here I am, like, I know they're worse off than me. Like I, I, I gotta I gotta lead by example yeah. because there's other people whose lives are on the line. You know what I mean? Because yeah. self doesn't recognize self. Self doesn't reveal self to self. And it wasn't until I started being more concerned on what I could contribute to others that the parts of me that had been blocking me off were revealed. Right? Yeah. Like, oh crap. Um, I think I'm mentoring them. They're like my seeing eye dogs. I'm like, holy shit. So, yeah. It was the practical application that allowed me to start having an experience and being able to overcome things which had always pushed my head underwater, being able to start to, with effortless ease, drop shit. Just You you got a new perspective. It's like putting on a new pair of glasses. You literally see things different. Yeah. Um, And that's, I mean, you can't bottle it. You can't sell it. it takes activation through treatments, treatments, scientific treatments. Yeah, we're talking spirituality here, man. We're talking, yeah. we're talking about going from I don't know how this is going to work to everything I have is all that I need. Everything I need, I already have. We're going yeah. from how, why isn't this working to hey, whatever's meant to be, whatever's meant for me will be. You yeah, know, we're yeah. we're talking about some big paradigm shifts. Yeah, right. And we, I don't know how to get there. Um, so I do the stuff that other people did who seem to be there yeah. and I get the stuff that other people, that other people got 
and it's getting me to a new place, which is just, uh, it gives a lot of, uh, a, a, a lot of inspiration. Like, holy shit, there might not be any lid on this thing. Like, mm. I don't, how, if I can change anything, I can change everything. Like, this is yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So at once, I mean, just as you're even talking, I can feel the change in energy from you, you know, mm. just as you're yeah. communicating me. But another part of it, I think that's important is once again, anytime you're going to do something and you said it yourself, it, it's about who we're surrounding ourselves with, right? The, I, mm -hmm. I, need, I needed to be held accountable by someone that I was mentoring to, and I need to have the mentor that I could see for a vision. Yeah. At the same token, there are people that knew you before this ever happened. Mm -hmm. and I'm sure there is a, a part of me that feels guilty, bad about the way things have played out. There's a part of them that feels betrayed or, you know, hurt that I can yes. do that. But once again, I can only do my part. They can only do their part. And the hope is that someday there can be rekindling. So talk a little bit about some relationships, you know, that maybe they were there for you through all of it, or maybe there was a point where they let go and said, Hey man, you got to do your own thing, but you were able to rekindle that. Cause I think a lot yeah. of people listening, maybe it's not drugs, maybe it's not alcohol, but maybe a, a parent befriended, right. Or, you know, did something bad sibling, yeah. you know, walked out in a time of need and they're holding on to that bitterness and resentment and this relationship can be rekindled, but it takes action and openness from both sides. Yes. Beautiful. Um, you know, what you touched on is a, uh, a non-negotiable. It's an indispensable part in the process of waking up spiritually. Um, and, you know, we prefaced it earlier. If I want to expect anything from the material world, I need to first be able to give it of myself energetically, right? Yeah. Spiritually. So I need forgiveness. I need to forgive myself. I must forgive others. Some people have hurt me. Yeah. I've hurt some people and I cannot, um, I cannot expand with any of that dead weight. You know, yeah. I cannot grow with, uh, any of that bondage from yeah. the past holding me back. And so, you know, there's this very specific process called the seven areas of self the seven areas of self. So I, I looked back at my life completely, yeah. everything that went wrong, mm. all the ways I lied, cheated, stole all the people who lied, cheated, stole from me, all the ways that I was manipulated, mistreated, all the things that I don't like how they went. Right. Me judging God's creation again. Um, <laughs> Me, me thinking I know better than this universe, right? Yeah. Yeah. I can't control the waves or the tide or the moon or the stars, but I just think this person or this place or this thing is out of place Yeah, in this perfect world. Like, <laughs> you know, I can't even explain how my cells and atoms and neurons are, but, I, but, I, but this, I know better than here. Yeah, this, yeah. this one I know about. Yeah, yeah. it's bullshit. So anyway, um, I had to look at these seven areas of self and I, I, need, I needed to heal these seven areas of self. Mm. For the seven areas of self, we have self-esteem, we have pride, we have security, we have ambition, we have personal relationships, we have sexual relationships, and we have finances, mm. right? Yeah. So my, my, when they hurt me, did it affect my self-esteem? My self-esteem is the role or the character I have assigned myself. So I look mm. back at my life. What role was I playing back yeah. then? Who did I think I was? I was Mr. 
got it all figured out. I was yeah. Mr. Don't you know how bad I've got it? Yeah. I was Mr. I'm being so kind to you. How dare you take advantage of me? I was Mr. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll, okay. So when we got pride, the way the other people are supposed to see me, mm. I can't be okay. Okay. I might be Mr. Got it all figured out, but then here you are telling me how to live my life. And that challenges my opinion of myself. So now I can't be happy because you yeah. don't see me the way I need it. Okay, I'm just in a horrible dust storm of, of preconceived ideas, opinions, yeah. judgments, and demands. Oh, my gosh. I'm whirling through the world demanding, right? Yeah. Demanding how I need to be seen or demanding how you must see that. I, it's, it's a mess. Yeah. We got uh, ambition, which is uh, what I want in order for me to be okay. I didn't get it. Am I okay? Hmm. No. I didn't get it. What, what? Well, I just wanted you to leave me alone. What does that really mean? I just wanted to get my way. Oh my gosh. Here I am again, just expecting to get my way all the time. Yeah. Security, what I needed in order to be okay. No, yeah. well, this person screwed me. What did I need? I blah, 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 blah. Personal relations. What's my deep seated idea of what a relationship like this is supposed to look like? Well, it's supposed to look like I try hard, you try hard. I give, you give. I forgive, you forgive. What does that really mean? I know how this is supposed to go. This is supposed to play out like X, right? Yeah. I'm just a demanding, self centered, selfish, right? Limited perspective, short sighted mofo. That's probably not going to work moving forward. I can see historically, I'm going through my life. This is empirically reviewed evidence, historical, factual stuff from my own mind. I see where the problem was. Mm. Sex relations, my deep-seated idea of what a real man would do. So, yeah. well, a real man, how would a real man have handled that girlfriend situation when she cheated? Well, a real man would have beaten up that guy. You know, but but then also yeah. I'm kind of like a real man would have had value and walked away with class. But I yeah. didn't do either of them. I threw a temper tantrum and mm -hmm. made everybody's lie. I didn't beat anybody up and I didn't turn the other cheek. Yeah. I'm living in purgatory. Oh mm -hmm. my gosh. So I get all this stuff out on paper, right? Yeah. And I look at my part rather than the people that hurt me. I look at what the mistakes I made. And yeah. then I go to those people. I made it an absolute focus go to each and every one of those people, whether by letter or by a phone call or face-to-face. -face, and I said, hey, guess what? I was so blind. Mm. I couldn't even... I couldn't even take your feelings into consideration back then because wow. I was so obsessed with me. I yeah. didn't even know I was hurting you because I was so focused on my hurts. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I couldn't even see that you were trying to help me because I thought I knew better than everybody. Mm. Holy crap. Yeah. I don't, not only am I here to tell you, I see the error of my ways. I know how that must have been terrible for you. I apologize for not even being able to see it back then, but I now see it mm. and I want to make it right because if I don't acknowledge it, I'm going to continue to do it. And if I continue to do it, I'm going to continue to be miserable. And if I continue to be miserable, I'm probably going to get back on drugs. Yep. So you don't, you know, maybe not everybody lives like this. Maybe they're not even going to like what I say. Maybe they're not even going to hear me. Maybe they're not ready to forget, but I need to let those people know that. I've identified those those hitches in my emotional get along, and, and I don't want to have them anymore. And that was one of the most freeing processes in the world.
That's amazing. Whoever, <laughs> everyone listening right now, rewind it a minute, get, get that again. I think one of the things I want to highlight with that for you though, and this has been a game changer in my life is no matter what has happened in my life, there's a percentage of the situation that I need to own. Absolutely. Right. So like, no matter what bad things have happened, it's never a hundred percent their fault and zero percent mine. They're, right. It, it now what went down, maybe I didn't have a big part to play in, or maybe it's mostly their fault, but I still can own my 2%. Like, Hey, Bingo. It, you know, you said an analogy. It's like, well, someone cheated on me. Well, maybe if I would have been a bit more attentive, maybe if I would have, you know, provide a better relationship, they wouldn't even have yeah. that straying thought. Right. So it's like, yeah. I want to own my 2% of whatever the situational dynamic is. What if the dem? what if the dynamic was, the three relationships I got in after that were full of fear that the next person was going to cheat on me too. And yep. I've been shitting on multiple relationships because there's a part. Yep. You're still living in it. You're exactly still, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And so I think there's there's power in that, in taking power back of saying, Absolutely hey, I own not. something here. I'm not a victim, right? I mean, the thing that happened sucks, but I, I own my part. And I think the second part that I would say is, um, you know, the phrase that I use a lot is my response is my responsibility, right? Hey, something that happened to me, if I react this way, is it justifiable? Yeah. Would a lot of people say, you know what? That's an okay way to react. Yeah. But I don't have to do that. I made the choice to respond ah. that way. So my response mm -hmm. is my responsibility to whatever it is that happens to me, but I made the choice to act one way or the other. I like that. I'm going to steal that. My response it's my responsibility. The choice is always in our hands, right? Yep. Yes. Yeah. So I, I know we got limited time, so I'm going to fast forward a bit in the story. <laughs> but there there becomes a point where you decide, you know what? The Sylvester Stallone guy looks pretty jacked in all the movies <laughs> he's in. I kind of want to look like that. So talk yeah. a little bit about the fitness journey and getting uh, it, it going down that road. I mean, I thought I was being a genius. I thought yeah. I was like perfect crossing of the guards. I'm 30. You know, Stallone's like 50-something. Uh, they're going to need a new guy, you know, to fit these roles. I wasn't far off, you know. It, it was me and Jason Momoa for the Conan the Barbarian role. That yeah. Conan the Barbarian role, I do believe, is what helped him get Aquaman because yeah. he was seen in that new superhero-esque. So I wasn't off. Uh, but, but uh, again, I'm an extremist, and... Uh, Usually when I'm hyper-focused on chasing something, everything else falls by the wayside. So, of course, my spiritual growth, the uh, connection to my family, friends, support groups, all dwindled because my life became all about my diets and all about my workouts and all about steroids. And um, I was going to, you know, damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. I I've learned that um, – that I can do anything I put my mind to, yeah. but at what cost? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes the juiciest ain't worth the squeeze. And I've gotten too far in my life to like rationalize and justify these risk reward ratios now. <laughs> like yeah. I've, I've done enough stuff wrong that I'm like, uh, I, I know where that's going to go, man. I know that's going to, it's going to cost me all my joy. Yeah. It's it, the sacrifice just, let's let's not do that you know so sure i got on the cover of bodybuilding magazine sure i was winning jujitsu tournaments sure i was so jacked that i ended up training a bunch of celebrities ton of celebs big hedge fund managers all kinds of cool stuff yeah um however i wasn't 
showing up to auditions because it was interfering in my workout schedule. Yeah. I mean, talk about a bozo. I went up there with a clear cut idea of what I was going to do. And then I didn't even show up. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, and there's an interesting point that I want to highlight there. And that is, you know, this dynamic of, we'll just say an addictive trait, right? Um, You know, so I have addictive traits in me, but there's certain things that I've probably become addicted to. And I try and make them the healthy things, right? Like I'm a routine, I'm a habited guy. And that helps me stay on the straight and narrow of certain things. That's like, all right, I know I need to do this every day to win my day. Like Uh I need to do that. Well, you have to have those pieces in place and you think, well, how could working out be a bad addiction? Well, it's like, well, I mean, it can create me viewing myself incorrectly. It can create, I'm not even going to go to my job opportunities because I got to look a certain way or Mm -hmm. I need to do this to feel a certain way. And so people just need to be aware of that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, again, what's your why, right? Like, if, if, you know, if your happiness and your fulfillment is set on a destination, I think that's the real hang up with fitness, yep. with fitness specifically, the destination goal is always, always a letdown It is never yeah. good enough. Yep. So the journey really must be the reward there. The grind yeah. is the growth. The grind with the fitness is where all the pleasure takes place. And if you get that mixed up with the results, You'll, you're going to be let down. It's so true. And, you know, the reality or the realization I had in this is when we set a goal, and let's say it's a year from now, me on January 1st of 2023 thinks that's a really lofty goal because that's who I am today. It's what I see myself as capable of. But over the course of that year, I grow and I get better at whatever it is. And so all of a sudden it's a moving target because it's like, why now mm-hmm. six months later, see myself as capable of so much more. So if that's it, like if that's the end goal, like that's not enough. So for high achievers, what happens is, is you hit that goal and it's like, all right, well, I'm already on to the next one. And you never feel satisfied. You never feel fulfilled in accomplishing the goal because the target's constantly moving because you expand and start seeing mm-hmm. what else is capable of what, uh, of your skill set, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, Jeremy, I know we got to get running, but man, I I have enjoyed your story and just you sharing everything and just being transparent. I know this is going to help a bunch of people, but I'm just excited to continue to watch your journey, brother. And uh, all I got to say is, you know, two, three years from now, uh, we'll have to hop on here again, uh, hash out some of the new stories and uh, the the growth that's continued to happen. Absolutely, man. You're doing real estate stuff? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk. I got, I got something in Mexico I want to put together. Maybe you can help me. Let's do it, brother. Yeah, and uh, make sure to send people to my uh, Instagram, at Jeremy Jackson Fitness. At yep. Jeremy Jackson Fitness. Yep. Go check him out. That's right. All right. Peace and love, everybody.